Welcome, Kevin. Welcome to another podcast. We're here again. We're the Fiber Coven. That's us. I'm Lauren from Valkyrie Fibers. And I'm Emily from Kitty with a Cupcake. We're here to talk about making some yarn magic. Woo. Hooray. First off, we have a teeny bit of news. Take just, it away, Emily. Just a little bit. Um, we have a new knit along to announce. So I have a pattern coming out tomorrow, if you're listening to this on audio, but it will be on Wednesday, November 25th. And uh, it's called Wicked Enchantress, and it is the companion pattern to my Foul Temptress pattern. Uh, so each of those, uh, one uses one skein of Spin Cycle Died in the Wool, one uses one skein of Spin Cycle Dream State. They're also the perfect pattern for hand spun because they really show off shifting colors. The uh, worsted weight version, uh, Wicked Enchantress, will be coming out that Wednesday, and we're going to run a knit along where you can knit either version of the pattern through Christmas. And they're both really super quick knits, so you could totally finish multiple in that time. Uh, And it's a really great gift knit project, so if you're looking for some gifts to make people, uh, it could be fun for that. Yeah, and each of the two patterns for the cowls have multiple lace edging options, so you have some variety in there. Yes, you can knit a total of four different things if you want, which is exciting. And uh, there will be prizes that you can enter for if you finish a project. Um, We'll have a Ravelry thread up that you can post FOs. You can also post under the hashtag, hashtag Wicked Enchantress along. And yeah, we'll draw from both of those things and you could win things. It's fun. Hooray. Hooray. Knit some gifts and win something for you potentially. Yeah. I like it. Sweet. Shall we move on to finished objects? Yes. Cool. Did you finish anything? No. I finished something. Yay. I I finished some socks for you. (gasps) They're for me. So these are just some vanilla socks in West Yorkshire Spinners Hollyberry colorway, which is a holiday colorway from yesteryear. They're not matchy, but they're, they're pretty close. Uh, and then there's just West Yorkshire Spinners Solid Red for the heels, toes, and cuffs. And they're just like little mid-length socks. Um, I think they turned so out... so cute. I'm so excited. I know. I was really stoked to get this uh, Christmas yarn out of my stash. And it'll be on your happy Christmas-loving feet soon enough. Huzzah! I'm so excited. They're so festive. I'm going to watch yeah, so really and have cute socks. Mm-hmm. And I uh, made the heel. This is my second pair of socks for you. And since we live on opposite sides of the country, I can't like try them on your feet easily. And last time the heel was a little too narrow. There was a little too much baggage in there. So I, I didn't decrease as much for the heel. So hopefully these will have a little bit better of a fit. We shall see. We'll see. I was knitting in the dentist's office yesterday and the doctor is waiting for the doctor to come in after like the, the first person, the dentist equivalent of the nurse, like looked at my mouth a bit. And he, the dent, the doctor comes in and he asked me like, what are you making? I'm like a sock. He's like, is there going to be two of them? And I'm like, yeah, the person I'm knitting it for does have two feet. So there will be two. I'm just knitting one at a time right now. Mm-hmm. It would have been really cool if I was doing these two at a time so that I could like, could have showed him. I get asked that when I knit socks in public, too. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. <laughs> he didn't say it like a jerk, though. He said it, like, in a fun, joking sort of a way. Oh, that's better. Yeah. Yeah. But um, Thank you. I'm so excited. 
I'm very, I'm very excited about these. They, they were very happy to look at. Um, I think next up, I'm going to cast on a pair of shorties for my partner in the other West Yorkshire Spinners holiday ish yarn that one of my knit group friends didn't want anymore. She already had made herself a pair of socks and she had leftovers because she has teeny feet like me. Nice. So I got her yarn scraps and they're going to be good little shorty socks for Christian. Hooray. Huzzah. The quickest finished object section ever. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I got, I got nothing. <laughs> cool. And then, oh, we forgot to talk about our, sh- our, our lovely knitwear that we're wearing. I guess we could do that now. We could do an interlude and talk about our lovely knitwear. Interlude. What are you wearing, Emily? I am wearing my sparkle and fluff, which is my own design. Of course, that's mostly what I wear. Uh, And this is uh, one of my more popular patterns. Uh, It uses one skein of fingering weight and one skein of mohair. So it's a really good use of those pretty mohair skeins. I think it's a really fun knit. It really mixes up the different textures that you're working on as you knit it. So it's not boring. You start out with just like some fun, simple garter stripes. And then there's some eyelets. Ooh. And there's some fun lace. That's really nice. And does it use a hundred gram skein of the merino? Or not the merino, the mohair? Because I know some of the mohair, because that's the pretty standard size that most people mm-hmm. have. Uh, but a hundred grams of the fingering. Nice. Yeah. And uh, you don't have to use the mohair if you have a mohair sensitivity. Uh, You can get this. It's very drapey because uh, you don't hold the mohair and the fingering together ever. You're always only working with one at a time, uh, which is what makes it so like loose and drapey and delicate. But if you want to get that same uh, kind of feeling and don't like mohair, you can just use a lace weight instead of the mohair, just a regular wool lace weight, and it will still have that kind of flowiness to it. Mm-hmm. And maybe something with alpaca content might give it a little more drapey drape. Yes, alpaca is very drapey. I yep. do like it for that. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing my giant Pyar square shawl out of some hand spun. Yeah. It's basically just like a cocoon to be wrapped in. And I think this was a, I think this was just some random merino I had as a dye experiment. And I did it in a, one of the fade kits I was dyeing up this spring. This one was um, very watery. So I named it after the Tolkien water deity, Ulmo. So this is the Ulmo fade. And it kind of goes from a gray to a kind of tealy to a deep blue down at the bottom here. And it's basically a semicircle. It's a, it's a half pie shawl on one side and two squares that come out of it. They're just a mitered square. This is an Elizabeth Zimmerman pattern from, what book is it? I want to say knitting in the round, knitting all around. I don't know. One of Elizabeth Zimmerman's patterns. It's, it was from a wool gathering from yesteryear as well. So if you just look that up, you'll be able to find it. Nice. But miles and miles of garter and it's super cozy and I love just draping it over one shoulder. It makes you look like a water witch. I like it. Yeah, I do. I've been feeling extra witchy lately. Well, after that interlude, I guess we can go on to whips. What have you been working on? I have only been working on one thing that I can show you. And I do have a half-finished object that I can show you. My vanilla socks that I'm working on for my father-in-law. I have one whole sock. So this sock, I did a contrast heel in the stroll. Very nice. uh, My knit picks, which was just leftovers. And then the rest of the sock is knit in Felici. 
Um, and this is the chickadee colorway. And I do have this second stock all the Ooh. way done up to where I need to start the heel. Very nice. Are they going to be matchy-matchy or no? I always do self-striping socks matchy-matchy with the very uh, occasional exception of like a crazy Zauber ball or something that you like can't really match. But yeah, they do match perfectly. Nice. So yeah, I'm excited. This ball started at a totally different part of the color sequence than the other one did um, Mm because Felici is just 50 gram balls. So I did have to like wind some off before I could get started, but I saved it in case I don't have enough. I think I should. Would would that yarn turn into blanket squares if you do end up having enough? Indeed. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> That's the plan. Cool. So the only thing I've really been working on this week, aside from those socks, is the ripple bralette for my old high school friends. So we were only just acquaintances in high school. We were in some of the same AP classes together, but we recently reconnected on Instagram. But yeah, so Ripple Bralette for one of my old high school friends out of um, Ushitita's Marina Singles on the Aquarelle colorway. Ripple Bralette is, of course, a pattern by the exceptional Jesse Mann. Um, it's so fun. It's so cute. It's so, it's so cute. So I'm definitely modifying this because my friend has a over 10 inch difference between like her rib cage measurement and her bust measurement. So I cast on, I believe I cast on one size for the ribbing. And then I went two sizes up for the three by three ribbing for that is actually over the bust. And I, I, it just looks the same. It just looks like one mm-hmm. by one ribbing and then three by three ribbing, which is exactly what it is. But I have a plan now for how I'm going to do the bust darts. Nice. I'm going to measure out where, cause the pattern is so well laid out. Like there's definitely a center point and then uh, points that correspond to the ribs where it comes up into um, the straps and I'm going to find those points and mark and put a stitch marker in and however many stitches are between the strap points at the top of the bra cups and the side, that's where my bust start is going to be in between those. So that makes sense. I feel, I feel proud of myself for thinking about that. I'm impressed and with you. Look, yeah. <laughs> I just spent a long time thinking about my friend's boobs, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Boob geometry. <laughs> Boob geometry. It's very exciting. I was explaining this to to my dear husband, and it looks very small. And he was definitely oh, baffled. It's so with how stretchy it was though. Fit. Yeah. But that's the whole point is that it stretches a ton. Mm-hmm. It like it doesn't fit around comfortably for knitting purposes on my 40 inch needle here, but I can absolutely stretch, like, stretch it out mm-hmm. around a 40 inch needle. So I think it, I hope it should it be will good. accommodate the boobage, but yeah, that's really the only thing I've been working on. I'm, I just love the way it kind of pools and it's going to stop pooling where I do the short row shaping for the bus darts. And I'm just excited to see how the color works up and it's soft and squishy and it's just, just lovely. I like it. Yay. And that's all we've been working on. That's this all we week. have. I've worked on other things, but I can't talk about them. You've worked on things you can't talk about. It's, you yeah. know, this is our struggle. It is indeed our struggle. 
We've also acquired nothing this week. Nothing that we can show you, at least. Nope. Naughty podcasters. There have been several things I've been wanting to buy, though. Yeah. I bought something today, but I sent it straight to a friend, so. Nice. Nice. Yep. Yeah. I got a tracking notification for my advent calendar. Ooh, who'd you get an advent calendar from? Earl Grey Fiber Co. She's very, very nice. I got to meet her a year okay. or so ago. Yes, I have. I uh, That yarn that you picked out for me from her is kind of like candy cane-y to me. So I was, mm. I don't know, I might do something with it, but really I'm not going to because I don't have time to do anything except for the commissions I'm working on. I got a Alice in Wonderland themed advent calendar from her, which oh, cool. I really like Alice in Wonderland. I actually used to collect copies of the books and I mm. have, they're above my head. Uh, I had over 200 copies of Alice in Wonderland at one point, but I have pared them down. Uh, so I only have ones that are like by different illustrators. Um, mm. And uh, ones in particular languages of countries I have visited. That puts my paltry half a dozen copies of Picture of Dorian Gray to shame. <laughs> the oldest one I have is from uh, 1890, I think. Mm-hmm. Neato. Old books. They're nice. They are nice. They're fun. They smell good. They do smell good. Cool. Since we didn't get anything, let's talk about our occult corner. Hooray. You came up with a good one. We're all like, oh, what do we talk about? And then Emily just comes hot out of the gate. She's like, satanic panic. And I'm like, yes. (laughs) It's definitely come up on my favorite murder a couple times. And I think that's how I was familiar with it, even though we were alive in the time when that was going on. I'm sure that's something that our parents did not want us watching on the news. I um, was familiar with the phenomenon uh, as a child because I I grew up in the Midwest and there was a, a bit of like, oh, witchcraft, that's satanic and like, whoa, pentacles, those are the sign of the devil and stuff. So for sure. Mm-hmm. Kind of fitting because we're recording on the day that Supernatural's ending, which is yes. like the end of an era as far as witchcraft per- portrayed on television goes. I mean, probably not a good portrayal of witchcraft, but there you go. It's what it is. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. But, uh, it's come up on some podcasts I listen to as well as like a kind of mass moral mm-hmm. panic example. Yeah. Mass hysteria. It's a real thing that happens to people. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty wild. Um I'm sure I heard about this from my favorite murder, but I did listen to a shorter, I think it was only maybe like half a dozen episodes podcast series called Uncovered. And it was about the, uh, I think the town is Martinsville, uh, the town up in uh, Canada. I think I listened to this. Yeah. It's a podcast about the daycare center that was like the center of the satanic panic outbreak in Canada. Mm-hmm. And this was in the early 90s. And I don't know if it was made by someone who was one of the kids or they just interviewed one of the people who was a child in the center of this at the time. But they, they get a lot of good interviews with people who were involved. Yeah, I guess if you don't know what the satanic panic is, um, it's a period of time from the 1980s up through all the way to like 
2000, pretty much, uh, where a lot of people were really concerned about ritual satanic abuse, which is... Of children. Of children, uh, which is not something that has ever been proven. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, and there were a lot of, like, these super detailed investigations of several different daycare centers in the United States and uh, in some other countries, uh, basically because this one person wrote a book that was hugely fraudulent and started a whole deal. Uh, Mm -hmm. There was some stuff leading up to it as well, like the Manson murders kind of like fed into like this underlying fear that people have uh, that caused this book to be popular. And for certain, the visibility of serial killers in the late 60s and 70s, like and like more ritual serial killers like the alphabet killer and the zodiac killer yeah, instead the of zodiac Sam. killer mm-hmm. yeah yeah Barryessa, where the zodiac killed someone is where people from my college used to go on the weekends it's like that was the closest lake to us go to lake Barryessa. thrilling There's lots of murders by you though to be fair yeah sacramento here <laughs> you're kind of in a murder of- hotbed <laughs> i am in a murder hotbed i can tell you all about the area where the golden state killer was all up in it's bad, bad news. Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't, don't worry about it. Uh, I have forgotten the title of this book now, mm. but I'm going to look it up because I definitely, Michelle Remembers, that's the name of the right. book that kind of kicked this off and it came out in 1980 and it was written by a psychiatrist and his wife and they, it's like, not at all substantiated and has been like thoroughly discredited and debunked that like the stuff that they say in this book is not true but they like say that there is a worldwide conspiracy of satanists that are abusing children like all over the place and that it's rampant and it's a yeah it's a whole deal so like what i've heard essentially from podcasts from that uncovered one and from my favorite murder the way these things sound like they kind of start to me is like maybe there's one person who is suspicious, not that they're guilty or in, guilty or innocent, but like one person at the daycare is suspicious. Like one person at the daycare has like um, a public indecency charge for like peeing in public or something unrelated to children. And then like it all snowballs into this satanic thing. Like it might've just been like an isolated case of one child getting abused or potentially abused which is horrible in its own right but then it just snowballs into this whole like satanist cabal thing yeah and then law enforcement gets involved and they can get overzealous at times uh what? So, <laughs> uh, so there is a lot of like kind of like prompting like young children witnesses that has been uh, uncovered in these investigations that happened uh lots of like giving the kids ideas of things to say before they say what happens and like positively reinforcing kids who make like startling confessions and like if a kid says that like right doesn't i don't know what you're talking about so like not believe them and to keep asking them so the kid like thinks that mm-hmm. they have to say something because they're four <laughs> yeah and it's a known thing about psychology like most humans young or old will want to please an authority figure 
And I mean, dogs can do it and humans can do it too. We pick up on subconscious cues and when the authority figure, like you can tell like when they're pleased or displeased by an answer. And, you know, of course, children are especially susceptible to wanting to, to please adults and authority figures and, and that yep. sort of stuff. The interesting thing that I, I kind of saw was like the big like macro society wide things that went into it. Like we talked about, there was what started it was whole like late 60s and 70s serial killers sort of stuff. And that kind of brought that into the public imagination. And then in the 80s, you get Reagan coming in and that that like encourages like the evangelical Christian church into being more influential. And from there, like if you were alive as a child in the 90s, you remember Stranger Danger, mm-hmm. which is like, yes, we should be aware of strangers wishing our children harm but most crimes against children happen by people who are known to the family yeah there's a bit of crimes in general skewing of uh that the media did at this time uh like there was a uh the famous thing that comes back every halloween is like poison halloween candies or there's razor blades in the hall there's marijuana in the halloween whatever they're putting in the halloween candy this year on the news uh and there's really only one instance of that ever happening oh man yeah and the two main daycare investigations involved in the satanic panic craze were the one in um canada and in southern california but the fact that these were at daycare centers was a little bit significant because the childcare centers represented or well, they were needed because women were entering the workforce. It was a break from the traditional roles of women as stay at home caregivers. And so I think that was part of what the like conservative Christian community was intellectually rebelling against was women's, you, you know, entering the workforce and the childcare being becoming not their job anymore. And that's why a lot of these things happened at daycare centers. That's my rant on the satanic panic. Although I have to say that video, that eighties video that you sent me this morning (laughs) was the funniest thing. We'll have to link it in the show notes somehow. It's so funny. Yeah. It was referenced (laughs) on, I read a Vox article and uh, I had read the same Vox article. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, I had read some Cracked articles and Cracked, uh, I think they did a Moral Panic podcast back in the day when Jack O'Brien was still on the Cracked podcast before he did Daily Zeitgeist. And uh, they definitely talked about the satanic panic a lot in that. So I had looked up that article to reread it. Uh, But yeah, this video is an actual law enforcement training video from the 1980s. And it just has the The most mulleted man (laughs) you have ever seen. He thinks he looks like David Bowie, but he does not. Does not. He's not like, I mean, he looks like David Bowie if David Bowie was just a cop, just an American cop. (laughs) skinny pants and the mullet it's just like the stringiest little mullet it's it's so 80s yeah uh but he is walking around a park uh looking for clues of satanists that clearly have been put there by the production crew of this video they're like all the same white spray paints (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh and he's like this is a pentacle 
this is how they communicate with one another he also just casually says that only satanists and homosexuals hang out in this park as he walks up to the park (laughs) and he says something like of course they congregate together oh my god it's so good (laughs) i cannot even but yeah. the, the great part about the satanic panic is that it's back in full force. It is. It's great. I don't know if any of you are aware of the things that QAnon believes, but it is right in that satanic panic wheelhouse. It is definitely like the government is run by Satan worshiping lizard people who are drinking baby blood. Mm-hmm. If I had a nickel for every time... I heard someone yell something like that at a megaphone in my face. I'd have a couple dollars. Yeah. Attend protests, learn fun things about conspiracy theories. Yeah. And uh, much like the satanic panic, nothing QAnon says has been substantiated. Uh, In Mm -hmm. fact, the origin of their uh, child trafficking ring that they talk about was comet pizza in dc which is just a pizza right. parlor and they a dude like went there to try and break up all the child trafficking and hey it's a pizza parlor i so. think the best part was yeah that's part of the conspiracy is that uh, pizza places were used to traffic children for the elites um like of course that's real but not jeffrey epstein but I digress. Uh, yeah, so this this person was convinced that there were children, trafficked children, being locked in the basement of this pizza place in D.C., which did not have a basement. Mm-mm. It was merely a pizza place. It's a pizza place. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Conspiracy theories have real-world effects, and they're terrible. They do. It's bad. Yeah, so fact check things or yes. follow news sources that fact check things. These things. Fiber Coven hot tips. To be fair, news sources that fact check things definitely spread information about the sat- satanic panic back in the day. Oh, yeah. Satanic <laughs> panic was a lot more mainstream than the government being run by a cabal of lizard people. Mm-hmm. It was so funny in 2016, and it's not funny anymore. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what happened to us getting to laugh about Ted Cruz being the Zodiac killer, even though he was a child in the 70s? (laughs) Now it's just... Now we can't. Now we can't, because there's real-world, like, goopers trying to destroy honest pizza joints. Mm -hmm. What is the world coming to (laughs) these days? So, Satanic Panic... Uh, oh, also, Geraldo Rivera made a documentary about the Satanic Panic back in the 90s, oh so that's a thing. I'm sure he would. It does kind of make me think of other instances of mass hysteria throughout history, like the oh, Salem sure. Witch Trials. What mm-hmm. are some other mass hysteria moments? Um, Joan of Arc might be like a, I don't know if it's not necessarily, it's less, it's more neutral, it's less positive or negative yeah um i mean there's a couple like uh that come to mind like the beatles records being played backwards and that kind of thing where Mm -hmm. like something poppy like upset the conservative right and then some sort of a mystical something is turning children to satan i mean like rock and roll in general was kind of one of those things Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm 
people. We love to be in riots. What can I say? <laughs> Sweet. Well, that was a thrilling ramble on the satanic panic. Uh, if you're looking for more information, we we both have listened to and recommend that Undiscovered podcast. It's a pretty short one. It is, yeah. It's pretty good information on that sort of thing. And I guess with all that, we can move on to our shameless self-promotion. Hooray! Hooray! Emily, I... as she mentioned at the top, has a pattern coming out next week. Yes, I was like, I have nothing. Oh, wait. No, I do have something. I have a pattern coming out on Wednesday. It's called Wicked Enchantress. I already told you about it at the top of the show because we're doing an it-along for it. Uh, it will be $7 retail, but I'll do a release sale because that's a thing I do because I'm nice. And yeah, you get two different lace borders in the pattern. One is called Delilah's Dots and one is What's the second one called? Jezebel something? Jezebel Jubilee. That's right. Mm -hmm. Delilah's Dots and Jezebel Jubilee. Uh, I don't have a shop update this week because I spent this week dying the full moon club, of which there may or may not be a couple spots left when you are listening to this. When we are recording, there are a couple extra spots up. Uh, we did, we were able to add a few more spots because uh, Lauren was able to order a little bit of extra yarn and I had ordered a couple extras of the special things that go in there. There are a couple up right now as we're recording, but they have been pretty steadily trickling away even though we're not really posting about them on social media. So you might want to check now if you're listening and if they're gone, they are unfortunately gone. And if you hadn't heard yet, what we're doing for the Full Moon Club is right now, it is just a pre-order for the first quarter, which is going to be January, February, and March. And you'll receive in one package, three smaller packages, one for each month. And there's going to be a mini skein and a tea light and some little odds and ends that Emily puts together for you. The mini skein died by me. Mm-hmm. And there's a spell a- pouch pattern every month. And there will mm-hmm. be a cumulative shawl pattern at the end of the year. So it's a whole big fun time. Yeah. Yeah. Make little witchy little pouches for all your little odds and ends or your notions or your headphones or your sunglasses. Maybe you need to stuff in a little bag. Come make little moon bags with us. It's fun. It is fun. Great. And so I guess to wrap everything up where you can find us around the internet, I'm Lauren and I'm Valkyrie Fibers Tahoe on Etsy as well as Valkyrie underscore fibers on Instagram. And I am Kitty with a Cupcake on Instagram as well as Ravelry. And you can find all of my links to my PayHip and my Ravelry. If you just go to my Instagram, I have a handy dandy link tree there. Mm-hmm. We're also at Fiber Coven and pretty much everywhere around the internet. Come mm-hmm. hang out with us on Patreon. Yes. Or check out our Instagram to see pictures of stuff. Heck yeah. We'd love mm-hmm. to have you. Well, thanks for hanging out with us for another week, Coven. Go make some yarn magic. Bye. Bye.